Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Rethink Retail Podcast. I'm Gabriella Bach, and we are here live at Future Store Seattle. And I am here today with Tom. He is the co-founder and CEO of Showfield, which you might have heard of. It's dubbed the most interesting store in the world. And I have had the pleasure of being there myself, and I can definitely say it absolutely is the most interesting store in the world. And Tal is here to tell us a little bit more about it. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. Great to have you here. And, you know, kind of just picking things off for those who have you know, never had the opportunity to visit Showfields or maybe they live under a rock and they've never heard of it. Can you briefly describe, you know, what Showfields is and, and what the experience is like? Yeah. So in one line, I would say that Showfield is a store that was built for today's customers and tomorrow's friends, right? We, from a customer perspective, try to challenge how retail is today to create a store that meets their needs. So you are a customer walking into any of our stores, you get to see brands, products, founders, be a part of events that by definition you couldn't see before because this is the first time that they are in real life. Um, but I think that what makes us able to do what it is that we do is actually the very unique business model that we have behind us, which we can maybe talk about later, um, but kind of allowing on the other end brands uh, to look at the physical world as a platform, explore kind of their first steps with retail. Absolutely. And thank you for that. Um, and so just kind of starting off, you know, I wanted to get a little bit of your of the backstory. You know, it's such a, a just entirely unique experience and, and place and, and model. So how did the idea for show builds really come about? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, <clears throat> I like to say that the inspiration, it's just said, but that's the truth. The inspiration behind Showfield is lack of inspiration. So I, you know, came to New York uh, nine years ago. Um, I came with so much expectation that I'm about to see. I was very naive. I grew up in Israel. My mother was a window dresser. My father is a diamond jeweler. I used to live in like, you know, there's a lot of design magazines and pictures my mom used to bring from all over the world. I was sure that the world looks like uh, storefronts and windows and Saks Fifth Avenue and Christmas. Mm -hmm. Little did I know that it's not. But nine years ago when I relocated to New York with another company, um, I was so excited. I was like, oh my God, it's going to be so amazing. So much magic in the street. Um, and I remember coming here and seeing that, you know, oh my God. Like, no, it is actually door and forth. Mm. Right. For a few years, I was like, okay, maybe that's, you know, maybe that's the one. But I slowly discovered that it is actually not, meaning we live in a time where there is more brands, more innovation. There is more cool, innovative, mission-driven brands than any other time in history, right? The last decade was this age of creators. There's so many beautiful things out there. The problem is that they are very hard to and that's what inspired me and eventually my two co-founders, um, Amir Zlickel and Katie Hunt, to try and challenge them um, to find a way to service one of those beautiful things. And uh, here we are today. I love that. I love that story. I, I think it's absolutely correct. And I think, um, you know, earlier in your, in your presentation, you gave where you said, retail isn't dead. Boring retail is dead. Mm -hmm. and, and so I wanted to know, so you guys, you, you provide this very... Uh, hands-on and tactile, just meaningful experience. It's all about, you know, discovery and helping uh, consumers discover these new brands. So I wanted to kind of get into that a little bit and also kind of see, 
you know, how your teams, you know, are able, how, how does the discovery process happen for your internal teams to create these just really amazing curated product assortments? So I think that like first thing that we need to talk about, which is also really, really interesting is that if you think about how shopping experience is today for most multi-brand environments, it is exactly the same as it was 200 years ago. Sure. Walking to Beaumarchais today, yeah. walking to Beaumarchais 200 years ago, first department store, pretty much the same experience. On the other end, the customers have changed, transformed, right? Who we are, what we shop, how we shop, what data we collect to make a decision. Um, how do we express ourselves, right? You used to be a person who wore a mono, we, we used to be a mono brand person affected by what we saw our parents wear or by, you know, a magazine on a table. Today, we are fed with so many channels of information. Each one of us became a curator, being able to express themselves using brands. And, you know, like we are all in a very, very, very interesting point in time. So customers have transformed. In addition, brands have transformed. The majority of the brands in the world today were born digitally. Yeah. And yet the majority of the brands in the physical world, right, in high speed avenue of the world, were born in the physical universe and eventually added their online layer. So the first thing that we need to understand is that that's the disconnection, meaning you have an experience that have not learned, but you have customers and brands who did. Have a brand. Exactly. So it's not about, like, retail cannot die. Retail has been here for 3,000 years. We all need to buy things. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to change, right? Sure. The question is, what is the role of retail? Be... Or what is the role of the store, the shopping experience? Um, and until, you know, technology would allow us to, in a more immersive way, to touch, feel, and engage our senses, there will be nothing more effective than in-person touching a product, talking to an expert, creating a human connection, collecting the data, and having the urgency to walk out to the product. Until further notice, maybe in a few years when we all live in the metaverse, it's going to change, <laughs> but right now, it's not. So what we try to do first and foremost is to think what should be the customer experience mm -hmm. that would fit you today. Because you have alternatives today. You can very easily go to your phone, to your you know, Instagram, to your TikTok, to your anywhere you will. You can it was never easier to shop, but it's actually it was never harder to discover. So what is relevant for you? What do you want? What information? How do you make decisions? How can we surface curation of brands? What brands are relevant for you? This is kind of what we thought about. And we first created an experience that we believe is suitable for our customers today. That experience is a showfield experience. Our stores are called showfield. You walk into a showfield space, the name of the door is showfield. The scent is ours, the music is ours, the curation, the voice, it's all ours. But the thing is that we did that, within that beautiful kind of, you know, experience, we actually allow a hundred brands at a time, brands that were carefully curated most interesting brands in the world, the ability to tell their story and engage with customers. So that's kind of the story of, of show. To the question of how we choose our brands, so I would say that like curation is key, right? Um, but there are millions of brands out there. So how to make the right decisions is really kind of the challenge. Well, first and foremost, I would say that all of the brands in show have the same thing. They're all mission-driven, innovative, design-oriented. They're all pushing the envelope. In addition, every six months, we have a different theme. 
So like we have this thematic approach, we choose, you know, what is going to be the subject that our customers care about, right? By the way, something that we can do only because we are optimized for the person coming into the door. We are not asking what's going to sell this business. We are constantly asking what's relevant for the person walking in outside our stores in this neighborhood in this time. And the intersection of that theme and the DNA of the brands we are after is kind of how our theme is sourcing for brands. And even though we get a lot of inbounds for brands, I would say that because that curation process is so diligent, we actually have a team, very big team, whose only focus is to source and find most interesting things in the world and to get them together. Kind of, yeah, it's a really, really fun job. By the way, our design team has an even nicer job and that's bring those brands to life within our stores. I was going to ask, you know, you guys are just make incredible displays. And, I, you know, I've been there. I, I absolutely loved um, the moleskin kind of nook that you had on, at your Bond Street location. Um, I felt like I could just, like, hide in there and spend all day in there. Um, but, you know, when it comes to design and you talked about helping um, brands, you know, really tell, tell their stories, you know, I imagine you have to have so many creative people on your team. Um, you know, how, how, how does your team kind of work with the brands and, and help them bring those brand stories to life um, through design? Yeah. So I'll start from the end. We understood very beginning that it is impossible to create an inspirational customer experience if you don't have an inspirational environment, inspirational group of people working. So what makes it possible is the fact that that's what we optimize for, look for, try to create, and the type of people we are after. So our team is the most wonderful, magical group of people I've ever met. Uh, I don't know if you heard the story that I told earlier on the stage, but like from the person walking in our inventory room to the person working on the floor to the person working in the office, all of them are the most interesting group of people that I've ever met. And that's kind of what's really, really, really unique about that. So as long as you empower those, everything else is easy. When it comes to design, they actually developed our own kind of methodology um, around how to do that in a very effective way. I would say that in the last um, four years, we probably custom designed 450 different brand spaces. Wow. So... If anything, we became one of the most effective agency-like organizations doing that process. And again, most of the brands that we work with have never thought about the universal three, right? So they are very brand-oriented. They have very strong brand. They're very brand-conscious, but they don't even know or they never thought. They're very knowledgeable, but they never thought. How would their brand translate to 3D? So it's a very exciting process, actually, to understand and to help those brands tell their story. Mm -hmm. The good thing I would say is that like, because our team knows who we are and show people the very clear tone of voice and the brands that we work are very clear because they are marketing professionals about what it is that they're trying to achieve. And they know their brand very well. And they are an unbelievable storytellers connecting those two into a form that is going to be best suitable for customers is I want to say our expertise, but it's also the funnest part like of the job, right? Because we don't need to invent the store. They are the store. 
they are the celebrity. Those brands are, you know, people who dedicated their lives to find a new category, a new product. We put one part of our lives in to make it better. They don't sleep at night because they're trying to improve one aspect of our life. So surfacing it, translating it to 3D, creating a space that tells their story is, you know, just like a fun part of it. I love that. And, you know, I wanted to know a little bit about, um, so you have several different locations. Yep. Um, so New York, Miami, uh, NoHo. So we have the New York store. We have mm-hmm. the Miami store. We also just signed um, a store, a new location in uh, Brooklyn and another location in DC. So before the end of the year, we are going to have uh, four locations. Um, and yeah, the plan for next year is to open 10 more. Amazing. We are, yeah, going about like tier one cities. I think one of the most interesting things about our business approach is that like we grow together with our brands. So our decision-making process is relatively easy. Two months ago, we did a survey for a few thousand brands within our network. We asked them, please prioritize where are the cities in the United States that you want to go to? Where are the cities globally that you want to go? And according to their answers is kind of where we built our extension. So, you know, what's next is what they want to do and where they want to be. And we are excited about it. That's fantastic. Um, and, you know, with that, you know, how do you kind of then differentiate your experiences based off of those different locations? How do you go about, um, you know, thinking about those local, local markets? Yeah. So from the design of the store to the content of the store, it is actually like hyper local. So our new stores are built in a form of a house and it's called like the house of shopping. By definition, the house of shopping is fit to the neighborhood. We wanted to create a space that is constantly optimizing to the needs of the neighborhood. So walking into that store is, would actually tell you, hey, welcome to the house of shopping. Uh, and you get to use this app called Magic One. And you interact with the store. And by what it is that you do and the way that you interact with the store, we can actually optimize the space and constantly change the curation of the products. So in the end, the neighborhood is the one who is in charge of the curation. Because like a website, this is constantly optimizes for them. Mm-hmm. The design is built with, you know, the you from the neighborhood. So our store in Brooklyn, like the house looks like the Brooklyn house, the store in the Upper West, the house looks like Upper West. And when we look now at stores that like, you know, in Japan or in London, same approach. So the design aspect is different. The theme is kind of changed globally. And the curation of brand is according to the needs of the people around there. Very cool. Very cool. I love that. Um, you know, you're really thinking about that local consumer and, and making it, um, you know, Extremely relevant to them. I did want to know. So you guys are kind of like, you're not like an attraction, but I would say, you know, people who are visiting, I'm assuming you get a lot of um, travelers and people visiting new cities, new locations and whatnot. So, you know, how, how much of the, you know, sales come from people who are in the local area? Do you see a lot of, you know, locals returning to the store? Do you have any way of like measuring whether or not people are like local to the store yeah. or visiting? So most of the traffic in our stores is actually local. Looking, going back to 2019 when we opened, we had a lot of 
tourism. I mean, mm-hmm. because New York had a lot of tourism. Sure. And Miami had. Um, <laughs> not the exact same population is kind of back to the streets of New York. Uh, so, you know, I think that the nature of the street is a little bit different than what it was. Um, but interestingly enough, even then, like a vast majority of our customers are actually local. Um, Showfield became this place that, you know, as, as um, people living in tier one cities were usually were ahead of like a uh, like, uh, city guy, right? Because always when someone comes to you, you kind of, oh, show me what's cool around the city. So Showbiz is one of those places that when, for example, in New York, if you have a friend coming or family or someone's visiting the city, oh, we have to check that. See. And in addition, I would say that like, usually we see two types or, or people come to shopping with one or two intents. One intent can be validation. They saw something online and they're just trying to touch it more than it. The other one would be inspiration. Big chunk of our basket is or things that we don't know. What we know is transactional and can be done online. But that's not our niche. We are about inspiration, validation, and, and this is kind of where we try to be the best in. I would say that I think that in a post-COVID universe, it's like COVID drew a very clear line on what it is that we can shop online and what we maybe could but don't want to, what is better. Um, and that's kind of where we are, right? So I think that in the day that we, the world that we live in today, customers are eager to find things which are more experiential, mm-hmm. which are no more, you know, emotionally arousing, the more engaging, like we, we, we learn a human connection. We, we are entitled to it. Um, yeah, that's kind of our approach. And taking it back to, you know, the service that you provide, so, you know, you're very, like we said, it's helping customers discover new brands in these meaningful ways. But then for the brands, um, you provide an extremely valuable service to them as well, you know, allowing mainly a lot of these like digital, digitally native brands to come in and, you know, see how their product does with consumers, um, test new market, but from having a product or having your brand in a show fields, um, what kind of information can they kind of glean from there? So we spoke a lot about the customer experience because, you know, in the end, those are people coming into the door. But what really makes Showville the most interesting store in the world that we are able to service those brands. Right? Mm-hmm. So the type of brands that we work with are, majority of them are digitally native brands, like Peru on Matt. Those brands are actually facing a very interesting period in time because even though for a few years they were able to build a sustainable business online only, mm-hmm. most of the categories became very crowded. Mm-hmm. The metric that they all look at, which is CAC, customer acquisition cost, is skyrocketing. And even if it, did, it didn't before COVID, after COVID, it's too much. And they are now going into a very interesting process of also thinking about omnichannel. But if 10 years ago, omnichannel was a department store or a physical retailer opening a website and thinking about e-commerce, for them, omnichannel is a digital brand trying to create more touch points with the customer and telling their store. We believe that physical retail is the most effective tool to engage with a customer and should be a part of every omnichannel strategy. As you know, the challenge with physical is that it's inaccessible for 95% of the web. 
So what Showbuild offers brand is the ability, brands is the ability to access the physical world, mm -hmm. to look at it as a platform, to, with the press of a button, being able to test a product, a collection holder brand, multiple market, and not ask, will return work for me? But actually ask, where would return work best for? Because return works. That's not Goodness. the issue. So yes, I mean, we allow brands to run what we call return campaigns which are extremely affordable. So like every brand is able to kind of have access to them if they got accepted to the exploration process. Um, but it was very important for us that the decision would be according to, that we will curate, not according to who can pay, but we will curate according to, again, what's interesting for the customer today. So I think that one of the biggest values that brands can see working with Showfield is you know, if you are a smaller brand in the beginning of your way and you're still trying to look for product market fit, yeah. being able to sit in a store as the founder and see a thousand people touching your product for the first time is, there is no alternative to it mm. as an online brand. Absolutely. Right? Like, what is the first thing people do when they see your product? Is <laughs> an online brand in a store on Shopify. How would you even get to know them? It's impossible. Right. So like for them, it's creating content. That's the value. It's seeing people, it's data collecting, it's building a community. You have the bigger brands, right? Who are already doing very well. They already found product market fit. Okay. Biggest value that you're to give them is the ability to test multiple markets before they're going to open their store. Mm -hmm. Evaluate in which market they're going to have their collection and in which they want to keep it separate. And then you have the last category of brand, which also became a meaningful part of our business, which are the more let's call it enterprise brands or legacy brands that we look up to. Mm -hmm. Those are brands who are forever looking to engage with customers. And instead of just doing a one-off pop-up in, you know, Soho, that would have cost them millions of dollars and being in charge of driving the traffic, spending on vendors, agencies, and whatever, they can actually come to a place where the customer is already in. Mm -hmm. Well, the, you know, like community exists when the neighbors are mission-driven and they're kind of pleased with that. And actually... Mm -hmm you know, vote to save money and put more resources toward their customer, provide more value wow. and not spend money on build out that is like going to be, people talk about, you know, bigger brands. We all talk about sustainability, but like the sustainability or there is like a lot of sustainability issues with doing build outs for one time pop-ups that come for three days and then go away. There is a lot of waste that nobody likes to yeah. talk about. Nobody's ever giving thought, which we are very, you know, kind of proud to be able to actually help offset, um, both by allowing alternative for brands with pop-up and also by being able to, you know, reuse and kind of upscale different fixtures that we used in the past and kind of is a part of our day-to-day. -day. So that's kind of pretty much the value that we provide to each one of those categories of like. Wow, that's really cool and a great point on, you know, pop-ups and, and reducing that waste and then also just, you know, um, allowing brands to test new markets and as you said, like sub-markets as well. I feel like a lot of brands that are growing and they just kind of want to, you know, sometimes they grow way too fast yep. um, and that, that's a, a huge problem that we're seeing. So I think you guys are creating uh, such a valuable service and then also with, as you said, it is very oversaturated and it becomes, at least on the consumer side, um, almost overwhelming 
right? And sometimes it's almost extreme, extremely, and you get yeah. you know fatigue, discovery fatigue, and so um, you guys are really helping actually capture that interest and the attention of consumers, which is so incredibly challenging right now. One interesting thing to think about is that when you say discovery fatigue, the point is actually different because if you think about it, like in the physical world, it's price that counts what you can see, right? So those brands who can afford being in high street are what you're able to be exposed to, right? Online, 10 years ago, there was a democracy. You had good content, created, you created a reach, you could have done that. Mm -hmm. But the way that like all the channels that we are using are built today, we are actually back in square one, meaning brand that has a Tesla can pay $3,000 to get in front of it. Okay? A mattress company can pay $400. Sure. A skincare company can pay $20. So do you really have more freedom in discovery or those who can be the, the most getting in front of you when you scroll down your Instagram are the one we're controlling? So it's an illusion to think that we can actually, you know, that the discovery exists online. Mm -hmm. It's more, you know, I, I like to imagine it like imagine you go into a grocery store where the lights are turned off completely. And it is Facebook or Google who is actually pointing the flashlight, yeah. telling you what to look at. Most of us are not aware to the unbelievable amount of selection out there, products that can make our lives better and are just left left in the dark. Yeah, those who can uh, pay the most to, um, you know, the tech companies have different algorithms and then be put in front of you. And, um, you know, we all want to be able to make choices that are extremely convenient and easy for us. So it's like, oh, well, that works for me. So yeah. I'll just go with that because I don't want to try looking anywhere else. So yeah, very good point. So I know we're kind of coming up on time here and I, I really appreciate the candid chat and just wondering, you know, just kind of what, what's next for Showfields? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that, um, you know, the last two years for us, like anybody else were very intense building a new retail concept in 2019 in New York and Miami yeah. is, um, is an interesting place uh, to be. Um, but I would also say that the last two years allowed us to stress test our model and to sharpen our value proposition to our brands, to our customers in the best way possible. So kind of looking back, I'm you know, grateful that we were able to do that. And what's next for us is basically taking all of that learning, creating better stores, meaning spaces that are more engaging for customers and offering brands a lower cost alternative being in retail, but in a way that all of them can see to tell on investment. Because this universe of just, I did a pop-up, it's a marketing expense, is done. Brands need to see a return on their investment. They are titled to see it because every other channel give it to them. So there's no reason that, oh yeah, I mean, maybe there was a lift, maybe not. Those days are gone. So better spaces for customers, better products for brands and our partners, allowing those barriers to enter into the physical world to actually become even lower. So every brand would have the ability to try. Rita is kind of what I wish for us in the next few years. Fantastic. Well, I'm excited to continue to watch your guys' journey and to grow. Um, 
we've all visited the store and just personally my favorite retail experience I've ever visited. So keep up the amazing work. Thank you very much. And again, thank you for having me on the show. Thank you for listening to the Rethink Retail podcast. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show, apply at rethink.industries slash podcast guest. That's rethink.industries slash podcast guest. Follow us on Twitter at rethink underscore retail and show some love by subscribing, reviewing on iTunes podcast app. Until next time.